Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Dietetics with Dana. I'm your host, Dana Fryer, registered dietitian and registered dietitian exam tutor. And this is my podcast where we talk about all things about becoming a registered dietitian. On today's episode, I have a special guest for you guys. I am here with Julia Zakshevsky. She is the freelance dietitian, and she's the owner of her own business, the freelance dietitian and host of the podcast, the freelance dietitian podcast. On my entrepreneurship journey, I have learned personally so much from her, including how to start this podcast, and I just can't wait for all of you guys to learn more about Julia. So Julia, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, your podcast rules. I'm so honored to be a guest here today, and I'm starstruck. I just can't believe I'm sitting down with you. (laughs) You're too sweet. So let's start out with my favorite question for all of my guests. What made you want to become a registered dietitian? Um, so I'm first generation Canadian, uh, and my parents obviously immigrated to Canada. And to be honest, when I was growing up, like I just really wanted to pick a job that would make them proud. And so I knew healthcare was the realm I wanted to land in. I'll be honest, unfortunately, I didn't have the grades to go to med school, but then I actually realized that I kind of pass out when I see blood. So like Me nursing too. was off, yeah, nursing was off the table. And I didn't know dietitians existed until I was talking to my friend's mom in high school. And that's, I think, the age when you realize what your friend's parents even do for work. And she said, I'm a dietitian. And I'm like, what is that? Like, that sounds so cool. And I just loved the idea of improving health through food. And I just talked with her and I said, okay, I'm going to go for this. So I did. Love that. And so you're Canadian. So tell us about a little bit about like schooling and training, I think it's pretty similar to the U.S., but I know that most of our listeners are U.S., so they might not be sure, including myself. Yeah, sure. So it does region across, it does change, sorry, across provinces. I'm in Ontario. So unfortunately for us, we have very few universities that are accredited um, to give you an undergrad to become a dietitian. So it is so competitive. And then after you finish your undergrad here, you, you that internship isn't included, which other provinces in Canada, it is. It's like a package deal, which is so nice. Um, and for us, it's not. So that was another level of competition after you graduate. And it was so stressful. I went to the University of Guelph, which my American friends always called Guelph because they just hadn't seen that word before, which was the cutest thing ever. Um. And it was, I was lucky because I had like really good friends in my program and other years had been very competitive, but we were just more mellow and on the same page. So like, so nice, like literally the dietitian evolves and matures with every generation of RDs. Like it's just the best thing ever. And then after I graduated, I didn't get into internship, which was so devastating and just so confusing because to graduate with a nutrition degree, but not your healthcare license, like really leaves you in a tough spot. Um, so I cried like for a day and then I was like, okay, that's done. I need to figure my shit out. (laughs) Um, and I opened my first small business, which was basically teaching nutrition groups because I'd been doing that for a long time under a group called a Hamilton family health team. So I wasn't giving nutrition medical advice. It was just general topics that I felt comfortable speaking about. So that was my first business. And then I kept volunteering and working and applied again for internship next year. And I got in and then it was like the happiest day of my life. (laughs) 
Love that. I mean, and you're totally right. And I feel like a lot of people are in that same space where we're like, okay, perfect. I have this bachelor's degree in dietetics. And then when you don't get matched, or if you're someone who's like, oh, let me work for a year to pay for this internship. You're like, wow, this is very, very limited. You yes. Know, yeah, totally. So those were really tough years. And I just like to be transparent about that because it does get better. You yes. will land on your feet and figure it out. Um, but it's so hard not to get caught up in the moment because your friends are getting internships and you're so happy for them, but also you're a little bit sad for yourself. Like it's just so emotional. And I just like to normalize that. No. And I think, and that's one thing I love about every single guest that I have on the podcast is that transparency because it's not talked about a lot, especially with dietitians. We tend to be type A, right? We tend to only want to share the success, let no one see, you know, if there's any problems. And, you know, I think, you know, the truth of the matter is that for every single dietitian and, you know, especially those that you're seeing, you know, with businesses, we all have, you know, all this stuff that didn't, you know, work out. And it's good to talk about those things because every episode I have like this, I always have a student email me who's like, yep, same thing happened to me. And I'm glad to know, like Julia said, you will, you will still land on your feet at the end of the day too. Yeah, absolutely. And then I guess just to finish my response, like for the full trajectory, because again, I think this is a good learning moment. Um, I had done a lot of time working at the Hamilton Family Health Team, like I mentioned, and so they their primary care. And so they have dietitian visits and other healthcare providers. And I knew that counseling was not going to be a good fit for me once I entered the workforce. And then the day of my graduation, I was offered a job at a family health team. And I said yes. And I knew in my heart that I shouldn't not say yes, because I just knew it wasn't going to be satisfying. But my competitive, ambitious brain was like, I have to say yes. Like this is an opportunity. I have to say yes. So fast track three and a half years later, I did unfortunately like feel really unhappy in that role. Not because clinical dietetics is bad. I think it's amazing. It was just not a good fit for me. Um, and then I left and now I'm full-time entrepreneur and I do freelance writing. Wonderful. And I, and I think a lot of people have felt that same thing as you were like, especially at, you know, when you were first graduating as a dietitian, like if you get a job offer, it's almost like people are like, are you crazy? You're going to take it right. Like you should be so honored. You know, aren't you glad you don't have to look for a job? So it can be like a little bit of an awkward moment where you're like, can I, you know, like double it and pass it to the next person instead of take it? Yeah. Yeah. It's such a great point. Yeah. That was like such a hard looking back. That was such a moment of me doing like some uh, putting power into other people's opinions over my life, which, you know, I'm not too critical of now you have to be gracious with yourself, you mature over the years, and then you realize like, I'm not making I'm not saying yes to another thing unless it's right for me. Exactly. And I think, you know, to a lot of especially brand new dietitians are so afraid to say I don't like clinical and I come from someone I am I love clinical. It's my jam. I love TPN. I love counseling. I'm the perfect person for that job, right? Versus if you're like, oh no, like this is my worst nightmare to be there. You're not meant for that job. And that's totally okay. And like Julia was saying, you know, she's been there, done that, and then realized, and it takes some strength and confidence to say, whew, 
that's not for me. But now, you know, she's doing freelancing. So tell us a little bit now about kind of, you know, that transition from that job into the freelance world. I I don't remember exactly how I found freelance writing, but it was definitely during pandemic. And I was very lucky that I was able to work remotely during that time because I was in primary care. Um, and so I definitely just had adjusted to the work from home life. And I was like, I wonder how I could keep this going. Like, what are other dietitians doing? And I found just several Facebook groups where dietitians were making money online, making money to write content. And I just knew that I had to get in on that action, basically. Uh, I did take Anna Reisdorf's freelance writing course for dietitians, which was so helpful. It really built my confidence to just start pitching people. And I felt like I had a great safety net. Uh, I got my very first job on Upwork, which is a freelance marketing platform. And I got paid 30 bucks to write about something silly, like something non-nutrition related. Like it was very low stakes. And I was like so thrilled. I was like, this is the coolest 30 bucks I've ever earned in my life. (laughs) Totally came out of left field. And then I would say what really like launched my career, though, because now I am a lead editor, which happened really fast. I hired a coach. I hired a freelance coach and her name was Colleen Walsh. Her name is Colleen Walsh. Excuse me. She's still with us, but she's retired from the coaching space. Um, And that's because she's just a killer writer and wants to do more of that. And I always tell people to work with work with the pros who have the experience. And Colleen was phenomenal because she's not a dietitian. She has a marketing background uh, and she's worked for huge names in her niche, which is fashion and beauty. So she was so critical of my writing in the best possible way and just told, like, showed me the industry. And uh, that really launched my career. Wonderful. And I mean, and helpful too to kind of hear about all the different things you sought out. Cause I think, especially, you know, newer dietitians, it's hard to kind of come out and be like, do I need more school? Do I need, like, what do I need? And I think that mentorship is so important, whether it's with a mentor or with a coach or with a course of, it's very specific knowledge that you need to do, you know, these different jobs like entrepreneurship, starting a business, freelance, and it's going to put you ahead when you kind of get that concentrated source of information first trying to piece everything together yourself. Yeah, such a good point. And I have to say, like, the best advice I ever got was from my first business coach ever, who was Krista Coe. She created the Dietitian Success Center. And she said that if you're getting paid to work as a dietitian, like, you are qualified enough to work for yourself and earn your own money. And I think about that all the time, because for sure, the narrative in my circle was like, you don't have enough experience to be independent. And that's just so wrong and backwards. No, and I definitely agree. And Krista's stuff is so is so great too. And that's also where I learned a lot of my stuff. She's over at the Dietitian Success Center. And, you know, you, if there's also, if you're not going to do it, someone less qualified than you is probably going to, or is probably already doing it and getting paid too. So it's not, you know, you know, you know what to do. And often I feel like, cause I'm more in like, you know, the counseling space where I have so many of my peers that are like, well, I can't, I can't do outpatient counseling. I don't know how. And I'm like, don't, don't you do that at your job every day? And they're like, yeah, yeah. But that's, that's different. I'm like, you talk with people, you're sharing your nutrition knowledge, kind of the same, 
But it takes different seasons of your life to be ready for it, too, is a big part, too. Yeah, absolutely. Wonderful. And so you worked with kind of took some courses, took, you know, worked with a few different coaches. I know you said Upwork, but how did you kind of, you know, find your client base? And do they tend to be like a certain, you know, type? Mm hmm. So I target health businesses that have some kind of technological component, whether that's telehealth companies. Um, I used to work for others that work in like the health device uh, industry. Um, So I would focus on that first. Like it was just so helpful to narrow down on a specific area of nutrition. I chose those people because I always say that if you want to have clients, they need to have money, they need to have a budget. And the tech industry is like just getting started, basically. Um, And then I used to have a website because I just thought I needed one. And I haven't had a website for two years and I've never been busier. And this is such a great learning point for myself and for other entrepreneurs that you need to just hang out where your ideal clients are hanging out. And for my business, that's LinkedIn. So Mm -hmm. I'm I'm active online. I network. I post my content there. Uh, It just... I focus more on selling a really high quality service um, and then worrying about the lipstick of my business later. One day I might have a website, but for now, like I just funneling in through LinkedIn. Love it. And what does kind of your day to day look like working for yourself? Okay. I'm a cowboy. So every day is different. (laughs) Um, And I kind of like it that way. I like a little bit of chaos. So most days I wake up around seven, I have a dog, so I take care of him, get myself fed, you know, do the whole morning routine. I like to visit my parents um, quite often just because for me, that was a huge incentive of leaving my job, not to be totally morbid and my parents are healthy and fine, but like time does move so fast and like every year is so precious. So I go and I see them maybe just for a tea and then by 930, I'm starting to write and starting to get into work mode. I will write about 16 to 20 articles a month and they vary on topics. Uh, I try to wrap up writing by 3 p.m. so that I can make dinner for my fiance. I love cooking. So for me, it's really fun. Like I just relax in those hours. On Thursdays, I'll produce the freelance dietitian podcast. And then about once a week, I do cooking demonstrations for cancer patients. So I know that was like a lot and kind of random, but the days really are kind of random and I love it. (laughs) And I I think myself too, there's, you know, for me right now, there's two days out of the week where I'm kind of fully entrepreneurship and it's that flexibility that Julia talked about of like, can go visit your parents and have tea or like, for me, it's often like grabbing a coffee at noon because I just can leave the house. That's kind of a really kind of precious, a precious thing that's invaluable too. And what do you feel like is one of kind of your favorite things about being freelance and an entrepreneur? I think you nailed it. I think just having autonomy over your time. Like for me, I do think time is the most precious commodity. Like I know we need money to live and exist and having more money is very nice. Like I'm not, I'm not anti-money, but I just think time is so precious. And I do wonder sometimes that's because I work like I've done a lot of work in the oncology space. And like, I think at this point, like a lot of people have been affected by cancer or other illnesses. And like, I do just think time is so precious. Um, 
So yeah, that's my favorite part. I do also love challenging myself. Like I, I'm very much a, like, what's the worst that could happen? You know, <laughs> like, yeah, I say, it's, uh, it's nice to have a job that's like new and learning and kind of challenging. It's um, fun. I think I, it's, I agree for sure. Cause I find it very similar in my aspect too. Yeah. Wonderful. And what do you feel like the hardest thing about your job or kind of like a challenge that you had to overcome? Yeah, I think it really varies per freelancer. But for me personally, um, just staying cool under pressure. I'm definitely anxiety prone, which I didn't even realize until I became an entrepreneur. And I just noticed that I don't, I was not, I didn't know how to manage my stress very well because I was never taught how, (laughs) but like you can rectify that. So I started going to therapy this summer and it's been literally life-changing. And, um, a lot of other freelancers are worried about the inconsistent income, but honestly, I tell people like, there's always ways to make money as a dietitian. I know there's bills and regular payments and that's important, but like there's so many ways to make money as an RD. Like, like seriously, you can do anything. Exactly. And that, and that's why too, kind of why I love to have guests like Julie on the podcast too, because I want you guys listening to kind of start to kind of get these little ideas, you know, and a reoccurring theme we've had with the guests of you do not need to be full-time to kind of do these things. It could be one thing here, one thing there. And for Julia, for students who are kind of like, okay, perfect. I want to maybe start doing some of it. Where would you even tell them to start? What's your advice? I think some of the easiest places to start are working with your peers, people who get you, people who know the dietitian life. So I would just start reaching out to other dietitians and offering some writing services. You know, people are really pressed to produce content these days. So that could be creating infographics like through Canva or Instagram stuff, or writing blog posts. The one thing I'll say, like, freelance opportunities don't really fall in your lap. So, like, you do have to just create them for yourself um, and just connect with people. So that would be the first step. And then once someone says yes to you, like, have a little freak out moment and then just do it and know that you're only going to get better the more you practice. Exactly. And And I think, too, a great point that Julie made, too, is that you never know where the opportunities are going to lie, you know, kind of like in freelance work too. Cause like I, even, I think for myself, like one of my, one of my old interns was just great. And now she does all my graphic design, you know, for me, for the Instagram, for my courses and everything too. And it, I wasn't planning on hiring her, but I was like, wow, she is so good at what she does. And now that's why my Instagram and all my classes look beautiful. Shout out to Alessandra. But again, keeping network, you don't know, maybe someone else knows someone and they can kind of send you that way. The dietitian world is, it's really, really small. So just talking with people, what are your interests? Trying it out. Like Julia said, like, what's the worst thing that can happen? You're like, oh, wow, I didn't like this. Or next time I'm going to do this differently, but it's low risk and could potentially be something that gives you those benefits like extra income or flexibility too. Yeah, absolutely. And exactly like you said, like you don't have to be full-time freelance has basically no overhead costs. So from a business standpoint, it's quite low risk. Um, So yeah, it's just, it should be fun and you should just like enjoy it and get experiences. And yeah, I think that would be my number one tip to start. Love it. And before we head out, Julia, tell everyone where they can find you and kind of get 
get more information about freelancing too. Yeah. The number one hotspot would be my podcast. It's literally loaded with all the steps I took to be a freelancer. So that's the Freelance Dietitian Podcast. I do have a website for that too, but it has very little content. Basically everything's on the podcast. New episodes come out every Tuesday. Wonderful. Julia, thank you so much for coming on. And for all you guys who are listening, definitely be sure to give Julia a follow on Instagram and check out the podcast. And don't forget to subscribe to Dietetics with Dana so you don't miss any new episodes.